Hey everybody, this is the House of Shade Community Spotlight. Today's episode is co-hosted by Red-Eyed Bear and Dougie DeLuca, who are joined by Kinesis Labs. Kinesis is a stable swap protocol built on Evmos and aims to be the premier destination for stablecoins in the cosmos. In today's episode, we discuss the team's mission, differences between traditional AMM models and stable swaps, learn about the primitives Kinesis will offer, and we identify how Kinesis can help maintain Silk's peg. Now let's jump right in and join Red-Eyed Bear and Dougie DeLuca for our first edition of our Community Spotlight series. All right, and we're live. Thank you guys for joining us again. Today we're joined with, uh, or joined by Dr. Kinesis from Kinesis Labs to talk about um, the stable swap AMM that they're building on Evmos. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about what you guys are building um, and potentially how Shade Protocol can leverage what you guys are doing with Evmos to to help better the protocol and also help you guys. So I'm very interested to hear what you've got to say, um, telling us about your project. Um, but before we get into any of the content, um, I was hoping you could provide uh, just a little bit of background on yourself or the team. Um, maybe some of their professional background that's helped them uh, shape their skill set that they use uh, in building out uh, Kinesis Labs. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess we are an anonymous team. Um, we are docs to the Evmos team, but we are anonymous to the public. So I think we can say two things. Um, the first thing is that we are from the US. And the second thing is that we've been in DeFi since 2019. I think we also have a team page on our docs where you guys can check it out if you want to know more. But mm -hmm. that should be it. I am. If you don't mind, I am curious as to what what initially piqued your interest about DeFi or like what, what brought you into DeFi? Um, were you already interested in traditional finance markets or was there were you more interested in the blockchain tech and that's what kind of brought you over to the DeFi space? Um, I personally can't speak too much to the rest of the team. I think what mm -hmm. did it for me is that um, I do like computer science stuff, um, engineering, and I think... DeFi is the one area where you can make outsized impact um, compared to, I guess, like how much you can do um, in other fields, right? Like if I were to do machine learning, it might take me like a few years to write a single paper. But in the same mm -hmm. time, I could build a protocol, um, which should be category leading by that time. So yeah. that was one of the main reasons why I am DeFi. That's awesome. It it almost sounds like a more efficient of your time and the resources that you've got and the skill set that you've got. Like if you're trying to make as big of an impact as you can in a short amount of time with, with the resources that you've got, uh, sounds like a pretty phenomenal trajectory to take. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. I'll say what brought me into the DeFi space was I was interested in, uh, generating passive income streams. Um, like I, I've generally enjoyed slightly riskier uh, investment strategies, but ideally my goal is just to be able to generate enough passive income that I can sustain myself into perpetuity and enjoy doing the things that I uh, enjoy. And so um, seeing all the different uh, yield opportunities emerge within the DeFi space, whether it be staking, uh, staking derivatives, lending products, uh, providing liquidity. I mean, there, there's so many options right now for generating passive income within the DeFi space that um, I really think that in the next couple of years, we're going to see a massive onboarding from traditional uh, markets, especially if we can do things like uh, build stable swaps. Um, 
to to provide deep liquidity for stable swaps. I was actually really blown away when I looked at some of the uh, numbers you guys had on your documentation at about the average amount of uh, stable swap or stable coin exchange value per day and like the amount of stable coin value out there, whether it be in the Ethereum ecosystem, the Cosmos ecosystem, like it's still kind of mind blowing thinking about how early we are uh, in the DeFi space, so to speak. But um, I would, I'm, I'm really interested um, in hearing about what, what brought the group together at Kinesis to, to start working on uh, what you did. Like, how did you guys come together to figure out the mission of Kinesis Labs? Yeah, of course. I think our mission is to bring the first $100 billion of stablecoins to the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, I guess in the past, we've worked a lot in the EVM ecosystem. Um, so this would be like Ethereum, um, Avalanche, and Phantom mostly. Um, but I think we've realized that there's a lot of limitations with this EVM mindset of one chain plus rollups, where in Cosmos, um, and I guess like somewhat Avalanche, that you can have multiple chains that do their own things very well and then integrate these with bridges. So I think mm -hmm. that was one of the main reasons why we wanted to build um, on Evmos as well, as well as like build the stable swap. Yeah, I think... I personally um, am super excited to see what Evmos does in general, just because Ethereum has for the longest time kind of been this launch pad or, or this platform where all these new applications are developing and kind of new new standards, new uh, technology, new theories kind of being played out. And so it's really cool seeing applications wanting to come and develop on the Cosmos ecosystem because of the extra flexibility um, that it provides. Not only that, but it also seems like it's a lot less resource intensive, seeing as you're not using a proof of work uh, consensus mechanism, using proof of stake or delegated proof of stake uh, consensus. And so your resource consumption ideally is a lot lower, um, which is better for gas for regular users um, and the speed at which your transactions can go through. So um, that, that's awesome that you guys are choosing to build on Evmos. Um, I'm excited to see what else comes out, but I think what you guys are trying to build in particular is really important. Um, and I personally am just, I'm almost ashamed to say it, but I'm like just now becoming aware of the stablecoin uh, narrative as I started getting involved with Shade. Um, like, I think I'm the only uh, like core team member of the House of Shade podcast that didn't come from the Terra uh, Luna <laughs> ecosystem. So, uh, they definitely had a lot more exposure to the stablecoin narrative and all the different things that people can do with it. Uh, so I'm I'm still like a, a kid in a candy shop, like learning about all the different things that you can do with it. So seeing that you guys are focusing on the project you are um, is really cool in my eyes. Yeah, I'll also just add, I think it's really interesting that like, I think your guys' mission largely aligns with like what I see in Evmos and like the potential there. It's like your mission is to bring the first hundred billion in liquidity to um, in stablecoin liquidity to, to Cosmos. And I think that's a huge potential with Evmos where it's like in all the EVM um, platforms, there's so much development, so many users, so many builders, and it's because they know Solidity. And that's where, you know, so much of the initial DeFi applications were built out. And Evmos, you know, is positioned to bridge so many of you know, everything I just mentioned there to IBC and on in Cosmos. And so I think it's like really smart that you guys are positioning yourselves very similarly to, I think the way that they are, you know, as a chain. 
Yeah. And just out of curiosity, you might have a little bit more information that we're privy to. Do you know how many applications are already like planning on launching on Evmos as of right now? Like how many are trying to launch right around the time that they go on mainnet? Yeah, so I think it's a, around a dozen. Um, if you search up oh, awesome wow. Evmos, there should yeah. be a pretty comprehensive list. So like right now there's like, I think quite a few Uniswap V2 forks or uh, traditional AMMs. So okay. maybe like five of those, um, a few bridges, and then a few like DeFi protocols. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, that That's actually a really good transition into, uh, into our next topic that I would I'd love for you to help us cover is uh, the difference between stable swap AMMs and more uh, traditional or conventional AMM models. Um, so maybe for anybody that doesn't know about uh, traditional AMM models, could you maybe describe how those function and then uh, how a stable swap AMM differs from them and, uh, and then like how that actually helps you achieve your goal of trying to be this premier stable swap uh, AMM? Yeah, of course. I guess the canonical of a stable or of AMM is the Uniswap V2 model, um, where you have a constant product market maker. Um, and this is pretty simple. So you have two assets in a pool. Um, mm -hmm. The, I guess, the invariant x times y equals k must be held. And you can swap um, between x and y asset as long as the k invariant is held. Um, mm -hmm. There's also, this isn't actually used, but it's like a cool mental model to think about things. Um, the constant sum AMM. So instead of the constant product x times y equals k, it would be mm -hmm. x plus k. Um, but obviously, there's like some problems with this, right? So basically, if there's one asset that's even a tiny bit more valuable than the other asset, the entire pool is going to be the less valuable asset because of the constant yeah. sum um, property. So I guess our our problem here is how do we have this slippage efficiency, this capital efficiency of a constant sum product maker or a constant sum AMM and also have the product of a constant product AMM where no coin is drained completely um, from the mm -hmm. pool. So basically, we just apply a leverage parameter um, to the constant sum AMM to make it so that it's like a combination of a constant product and constant sum to make things, I guess, capital efficient, but at the same time, um, you're not able to completely drain a pool. Um, yeah. Yeah, because in thinking about that constant sum model, that would almost allow for a pool, if you were just using that, that would almost allow a pool to completely drain itself from, from one side, whatever one of those pairs would be. Um, but so is it like a, is it just a parameter where it can only go down to a certain percentage of the total pool, whether it be like 10 or 20% of, of whatever it is? I guess um, it can go down to, I guess, a very low number, like 0 0.001. It's just that it would be increasingly expensive to do so um, oh, as okay. Okay. you go there. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. So for uh, if we're trying to think about this uh, in relation to um, maybe some of the more traditional models that of AMMs that people in the cosmos are already used to using. I think everyone's de facto decks that uh, within the cosmos that they use is osmosis. Um, so maybe from like a, a user experience or a user interface standpoint, how would how would a stable swap differ from uh, a traditional AMM? Like are all the the user interactions pretty much the same? And it's just 
certain uh, trade parameters are going to look a little different? Yeah, essentially the interface is going to be pretty similar. Um, so say you want to swap, right? You literally just have to enter in the coin you're swapping from and to, and then mm -hmm. all the routing will be handled um, in the front end, and then it'll be sent to the back end smart contracts, and the swap will be actually performed. Um, okay. I think the biggest difference, though, is um, how expensive it will be to swap between stable coins. So I think uh, Osmosis might not take a fee right now, but traditionally, like, I guess, uh, Uniswap V2 and mm -hmm. other similar AMMs um, take somewhere between, like, 0.3% to, like, 1% uh, um, as a swap fee. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I guess, for Kinesis, just because we can have a higher volume to make up those lost swap fees, our, I guess, fees just 0.04%. Um, which is, I guess, an order of magnitude lower than yeah. traditional AMMs. Um, yeah. And then additionally, there's, I guess, slippage, right? So mm -hmm. if you're swapping between a small amount, like um, less than one of the total capital in both the pools, mm -hmm. it would be literally an order of magnitude cheaper. Um, since you're not swapping on this quadratic curve, you're swapping on a line. Okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. So then... So then the the solution you guys are providing then this this actually acts as a really good solution for institutional investors that are looking to get uh, involved in, in DeFi just because you're not for people who might be placing a lot bigger orders like I mean personally me usually whenever I'm placing trades they're usually less than a few thousand dollars uh, so I'm not worried about slippage as much now with recent shade activity you might incur a little bit of slippage but there's still fair look fairly low liquidity. Um, but for, for some of the bigger players who might be trying to swap, you know, a few million or tens of millions of tokens, um, that, that order of magnitude difference in the slippage you're going to pay that that's huge for them. Um, and whether or not they're even going to try and justify using, using that, uh, protocol or bridge. So it's yeah, just out of curiosity. Oh, sorry, I forgot to cut you off. Um, just out of curiosity, um, if you have like example, like example in terms of numerically, like let's say someone's trying to convert ten million dollars in stable coins from you know USDC to let's say UST, um, like that experience to that exchange of ten million dollars, how much would you kind of expect that to differ on you know Kinesis versus Osmosis? Like assuming liquidity is you know where you see it, like maybe a year or two from now, like where it's pretty deep. Yeah, so I guess um, comparing like Kinesis to Osmosis. Um, um, it would really depend, um, but let's just take the raw slippage numbers. Say it's like 1% slippage for uh, osmosis and then 0.1% slippage for kinesis. Um, on a $1 billion transfer, this would be $10 million versus $1 million lost to slippage. So I guess it's a pretty significant amount. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, if, you, if you're going to tell, you know, most institutional kind of entities that to convert from one stable currency to another, they're gonna have to pay a fee of $10 million. Like I just don't really see kind of the feasibility there, but if you can decrease that to something like, you know, like you're saying a million dollars, even less, like I think that's where kind of like the value becomes real. And obviously it's way more instant than it is today in traditional methods. And so I think kind of like that, that basis makes more sense. And like clearly the, the use case is real because you, if we reach the mass adoption kind of levels, I think we all, envision for this space, then you're going to see a lot more, you know, several hundred million dollar transactions, billion dollar transactions, et cetera. So you're going to need, you know, swaps with low slippage in order to make that actually a reality. Yeah. yeah. And I was actually just, as you're talking about this, thinking about 
what the current percentage of uh, stable swap volume is coming from large institutional uh, players. Like when you're thinking about, let's say it's close to $100 billion a day in trading activity of stable coins across uh, the whole crypto space, like retail is going to make up a small percentage of that. But I, I still imagine that even though it is semi early, there is a large percentage of institutional players um, controlling a lot of this, uh, this the stable coin uh, transaction volume. Yeah, I guess like we don't really know the numbers. Um... I think we we totally agree that a lot of this volume is institutional. We could yeah. there's a you could probably find out because if they're on public <laughs> blockchains, you could you could end up tracking them. Um, that's a that's a whole other <laughs> conversation for a whole another day. Um, <laughs> but, Just out of curiosity, because um, like obviously the appeal here for institutional investors is pretty pretty real. Um, do you have any plans to like implement some sort of a KYC component like? You know, as a potential add-on to Kinesis so that obviously from a regulatory standpoint, some institutions are able to partake where they otherwise may not have unless they have that KYC component built in. Uh, no, we don't. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's definitely like kind of a long-term thing, I think. So makes sense. Yeah. Um, I am I am really interested in another aspect of the AMM that you guys have, is, and that's the, the tool pool system that you've got. Um, this really just got my mind going about what some of the uh, different, like it really almost breaks down the differences between the different types of stable coins and the different uh, relative stabilities of, of the different backing models. Um, and so just based on my intro reading, I know you guys have base pools and then you also have something called meta pools. Would you mind, uh, going over what exactly those are and what their different functions are yeah, within sure. the AMM? I think um, base pools are what everyone thinks about when you think about a stable swap or even a traditional AMM. It's just multiple assets in a pool and then mm -hmm. some invariant to rule them. Um, so I guess in our, our case, it would be a stable swap invariant. Um, in a Uniswap V2 case, it would be the constant product uh, invariant. I think what the meta pool is though, is okay. it's a interesting idea to make, I guess the assets in a base pool um, more useful to assets that you wouldn't necessarily want to include into a base pool. So what does this actually mean, right? Like you wouldn't want to include, um, I guess, what's a bad stable coin? Like the iron stable coin from Polygon um, that depegged a while ago. Uh, just because if a single uh, stable coin or coin in the pool depegs, um, basically the entire pool gets wrecked as people can just buy this depeg stablecoin for cheap and then swap it for the non-depegged assets um, until the pool is completely full of yep. this depeg stablecoin. So yep. essentially what we want to do yep. with the meta pool is that these coins um, like Titan before it was depegged are perfectly valid. It's just that we want to protect the assets from the base pool that should never uh, depeg from these mm -hmm. assets that have maybe like a one or 2% chance of depeg. So how this is implemented is okay. that we take the LP token of the base pool and then we pair it with the other asset. So I guess, say we're creating a silk meta pool. We take the base pool asset, which could be mm -hmm. like a three pool USDT, USDC, uh, DAI LP token, and then pair this with uh, the mm -hmm. silk stablecoin. And then now you can swap between silk um, okay. and any of these three underlying base pool tokens. So you can swap it directly with USDT, you can swap it directly with oh, USDC, um, with DAI, 
um, just because you can just take, you can swap it for the LP token, um, take the LP token, and then swap it for the actual asset you want. And all this is handled in the front end, um, so you won't even notice. It'll just be a swap from Silk to whatever uh, other stablecoin. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, I I was already when I was looking at this, drawing some uh, comparisons between just what seems like the logic behind why you're shaping it the way you are, like really trying to localize any security issues that may happen with uh, less stable, um, like less stably pegged stable coins, um, and in the way that. This is kind of jumping away from uh, stable coins, but the, the synthetics market that Shade is looking to develop um, with each of their synthetic assets, they're going to have a unique uh, stabilizer token to stabilize that synthetic asset. So if that synthetic asset goes off, like completely off peg, you don't have. It's just one stabilizer token and one uh, uh, synthetic asset that could be could potentially be wrecked, but it doesn't affect the whole ecosystem where. Like if we were using one particular stabilizer token to stabilize all of these different synthetic assets, um, you know, you could have a cascading event where one of those assets goes far enough off peg that the the market cap of your stabilizer token gets completely drained trying to support this one synthetic asset peg. And then if another one drops, then I mean, yeah, then you're really in a bad spot. So I, I like the idea behind what you're doing from a security standpoint and trying to kind of localize the the potential problematic situations of uh, stablecoins depegging. Yeah, exactly. I think our, our model is the meta pool is not a permanent thing. It's a temporary thing. Um, as soon as it has achieved sufficient yeah. like proof that it's going to survive its peg, um, like no matter what, we'll move it to the base pool. Um, until then, it'll just be uh, in this meta pool uh, usable, um, but not part of the base pool. Interesting. How do you how do you plan on vetting the stable coins that are actually brought on to the swap? Like, is there a governance proposal there that determines that, or is it like what's the determination process? Yeah, I think initially it's going to be done by the team. So, um, governance will definitely be a thing in the future. It's yeah. just that in this new, I guess, protocol environment, um, I think the team makes decisions rather than be slower and uh, more cumbersome to deal with. So, um, I guess initially it would be through the team um and then as for like what assets would be risky and part of the meta pool versus what assets would be safe and part of the base pool i think it really just depends um on the yeah. situation um and then i guess like other systematic risks with the stable coin fair enough that makes sense yeah it it definitely makes sense especially for new stable coins like even if like let's say me, me and Dougie really believe in the stability of Silk and really believe in this value proposition and its roadmap. Like we still need to see proof in the market that it can maintain its peg whenever we've got institutional retail arbitrage players um, actively interacting with with the product in, in that arbitrage market. So um, I, I totally understand the need to vet stable coins and their stability and their relative security. Um, related to other stable coins. Um, that's really, it's a really uh, interesting and kind of innovative approach to being open to letting these newer projects get exposure on your AMM without, 
while also minimizing uh, the downside risk to the other assets you've already allowed to, or or that you're providing liquidity for, rather on your AMM. So, it, it is very cool. Um, I I am curious, uh, based on what you guys have seen in uh, on in previous performance of various different uh, types of backed stable coins, um, do the people do the do the people Behind Kinesis, do you guys have like a preference for a particular type of stablecoin? Like, um, you know, I, I personally, in my little exposure to stablecoins that I've had, you know, what past four or five months, um, I personally think the, the algorithmic stablecoins make a lot of sense. Um, they seem very capital efficient, um, and they seem like, at least in Silk's uh, case. It takes a lot of um, regulatory risk and compliance risk, uh, or it maybe reduces it just because you're not actually holding on to these potential massive sums of fiat backing to whether you're actually backing a stablecoin with fiat or if you're backing it with uh, debt positions, whatever it may be. Um, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about um, which stablecoins have been performing the best. Uh, maintaining their peg the best and and what you guys see as being some of the more stable uh, versions yeah so i guess we can just look to i guess the size of the market cap for stable coins um and then obviously right now it's centralized stable coins that are uh collateralized one-to-one -one with the us dollars so things like usdc um usdt binance usd are yeah. probably the most used um and then i mean we, we we love DeFi. uh first and foremost we don't really care for these I guess like collateralized stable coins with fiat. Um, so yeah, stuff like like UST um, and other algo stable coins, Frax, uh, Face, stuff like that. Um, and then also these over collateralized stable coins mm -hmm. uh, like Liquidity's LUSD or like Dai. Um, we're all fans of. Nice. Well, that's good. I mean, I think it is good to uh, like I, I share your. Uh, your feelings and thoughts about preferring non-centralized stable coins, um, especially for like security uh, for the end users or for like the majority of the end users that you're wanting these stable coins uh, to be in the hands of. Um, it's a good idea to try and make the supply and distribution of the stable coin as, as centralized as possible um, and, and whatever assets are backing it. Um, so, What's kind of interesting is uh, seeing some of the algo stable coins starting to incorporate some sort of actual, uh, whether it be non-correlated asset backings to, to, to kind of help back up the value of these algo stable coins. Like we saw, um, you know, Terra starting to purchase Bitcoin to, to start backing um, UST and with Shade Protocol. Shade Protocol has the Shade DAO Treasury, um, which will be a, a, basically a, a decentralized balance sheet of uncorrelated assets that help not only back the value of Silk, um, the privacy-preserving stablecoin, um, algorithmic stablecoin uh, native to Shade Protocol and Secret Network, but um, but it will also provide sustainable revenue streams for uh, staking, incentivization, uh, liquidity providing, and also some of the some other various things like development on the protocol, 
um, dealing with marketing uh, advisors, stuff like that. Um, but, but I do want to, the, some of the last things I want to talk to you about here are, uh, some of your cross chain ambitions, obviously with you guys being focused and, uh, with your home being Evmos, you guys are obviously primary, primarily focused on dealing with all these different ecosystems, whether it be, uh, bridges from, uh, different parts of the Ethereum ecosystem, whether it be eventually bridging from Binance and some of these other larger ecosystems to the cosmos. Um, I'm interested to hear about some of the, some of your top priorities in, um, in your goals and in some, with some of your cross-chain ambitions. Like one of the, one of the things I picked up on heavily when reading through your documentation was that you guys hope to play a role in governance of various different um, stablecoin protocols. And I, I was curious if, if by govern, governance you mean like providing support or maybe potentially trying to help shape uh, that the health of that protocol based on what you're seeing. Yeah, of course. Um, I think obviously in the beginning, um, what we're probably going to do is something where we basically get these uh, stablecoin protocols to provide incentives um, for their pools. So LPs that provide liquidity for, say, UST um, on Kinesis would get some additional uh, uh, UST rewards from Terraform Labs or Terra Governance. Um, and then same with like stuff like Frax or like um, potentially even Silk. Um, just because initially um, we're not planning on launching with a token and this would just be a good way to bootstrap liquidity uh, without uh, token rewards in the beginning. And then obviously this would have to go through governance um, and I guess that's part of the, the role we're playing there. Um, so yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. Um I know that uh Shade has been waiting to start providing liquidity uh provision rewards and incentives until there is an AMM that has the the double-sided LP rewards available. Um and so based on what the current DEX is right now uh in or on Secret Network, none of them have the ability to provide those rewards um like to where let's say Kinesis had a, a token that they're launching in as part of the incentive to provide liquidity. You've got, uh, you're rewarded the Kinesis token, but you can also earn the LP rewards from Shade or Silk, however those uh, rewards are incentivized. So right now, based on the current state of DEXs and Secret Network, there's really just single-sided rewards. So for Secret Swap, you're just getting uh, rewards in CFI and Sienna swap, you're just getting rewards in Sienna. But the, I, the goal is to be able to receive rewards in whatever the native rewards are for the decks that they're, uh, that the liquidity is being provided on and also rewards from the actual protocol to be able to incentivize early adopters and, uh, early providers of liquidity. So, um, that's really cool that you guys, that you're in a way that's, even though you might be, in a sense, asking for uh, incentives to be provided because it's such a positive benefit for the protocol, like being able to have, you know, maybe tens of millions, hundreds of millions, maybe potentially billions of dollars of silk liquidity um, that's calling Kinesis Labs its home. Um, it would make sense for 
shade protocol to want to be able to incentivize the users and liquidity providers on Kinesis. So that's really cool to hear you guys are, are going to be able to do that pretty pretty soon out of the gate. I imagine once you launch, you'll be able to have liquidity providing rewards ready to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, are there... Were there any other uh, IBC chains that you were interested in launching on or partnering with uh, when you first started looking at developing? Obviously, um, within the Cosmos, there's multiple different chains that are IBC compatible. So, so you would have some of that flexibility and being able to have that uh, cross-chain communication. Um, but I'm interested to hear if you guys thought about developing with anyone else or maybe even developing your own uh layer one and partnering with some other sort of bridging protocol yeah so of course like any other cosmos projects we did look into doing our own app chain i think the reason why we decided to build on ethmos is that immediately on ethmos launch there's going to be a need for a stable swap um just because there's probably going to be competing bridges um on ethmos so it's what ethmos is canonical bridge nomad um but there's also these other bridges like Seller, Axelar that would be interested in launching on Evmos, and they would all have their own versions of uh, USDC, USDT, uh, Dai, other stables. So there needs to be a way to swap between these stable coins that have been bridged over through these different bridges, but onto the same Evmos chain. And that's basically the initial, I guess, need for Kinesis. And then in the future, it'll be, um, I guess, expanding to the rest of the Cosmos as well. I do know. I noticed in a couple different places within your documentation, you guys had mentioned that you're very open to collaboration and and building with or on other projects. Um, when when you guys are looking at collaborating with with projects, let's say let's use uh, Shade Protocol for an example, right? So when when you guys are looking at bringing on a new stablecoin like Silk uh, in the future, what what are the first things that you guys are really looking at um, when trying to to vet this process? Like, are you looking at potential initial liquidity that could be provided? Are you more interested in some of the the contract auditing and, and like you're more focused on just the security of the actual contracts and uh, and the stabilization and the peg mechanism? Um, I think the biggest thing is how much value do we create for Kinesis and how much value do we create for the other protocol or in this case silk right so yeah i guess for a lot of stable coins um one useful function of a stable swap isn't actually the swap between like say silk and like some usdc the functionality is to help the peg um stay pegged so what this means is like essentially if silk depegs by a little bit um but recovers during this i guess quick depeg people can swap their silk for usdc um helping restore the peg essentially so yeah. Basically, these liquidity pools would also be another way to protect the silk peg, um, which we think is pretty valuable. And like that's why we want to work with like stable coins. I've got I've got so many things clicking in my head right now. Like thinking about some of some of the initial statements I heard Carter, who's the, the founder of uh, Shade Protocol, one of the lead economists, talking about as silk proliferates in the DeFi space and as it's uh market cap and the amount of silk grows the stability of it actually grows so the more people use it the bigger it gets the more stable it becomes and and thinking about that interaction on an amm like kinesis 
that makes a lot of sense as to how you can provide some extra stability there. Um, so that that's really, really interesting. Thank you for helping me connect those pieces right there. Yeah. Do you guys have, uh, do you guys already have um, a particular value of liquidity that's been like promised to be seeded whenever you guys are ready to launch on mainnet? Like already confirmed liquidity that's going to be provided from these various uh, stablecoin protocols? Um, not confirmed as of the moment. Um, but yeah, we are doing things. And there should be a decent amount of liquidity at launch, I think. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so one of the one of the last things I want to touch on here um, before we wrap up is just I'm because you're a builder uh, and you're you're interacting with a lot of different groups and uh, you've been in the DeFi space longer than I have. I'm I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the role of privacy in um, within DeFi and and in particular kind of bridge that to uh, privacy related to uh, stable coins and stable coin users. Um, you know, I, I don't know what it was that made it click in my head that, that privacy is really valuable. Um, you know, I'm not some massive institutional investor that has to really worry as much about, uh, minor extracted value and front running of my transactions. Um, especially on, well, with on, on secret network, we don't really have to worry about that because, um, all the transactional and metadata is all private. So you're pretty much shielded from um, the, that minor extracted value in the, in the front running. Um, but I'm interested to hear, uh, hear what you've seen within the DeFi narrative related to privacy and, and how you see that playing a role within the stablecoin space. Um, obviously, Dougie and I are pretty biased as to uh, how influential we... How influential and how important privacy is in in this space, but I'm interested to hear uh, uh, your opinion from someone outside of uh, a network whose main focus is privacy. Yeah, so I guess the initial introduction um, I had to privacy preserving applications um, was Tornado Cash in 2020, where applications would get hacked, and then the hackers would walk ETH in Tornado Cash to basically make this untraceable. And I thought, okay, wow, is this privacy? Is this like the real value proposition of uh, privacy in DeFi? Um, but I think since then, there's so much more that can be done. Um, like on ETH mainnet, for example, um, there's this like protocol called CowSwap. And basically the whole thing is like, we'll do MEB protection um, for exchanges, right? But if you have privacy pre preserving transactions, um, there's no MEV. And that's just like crazy to me, I guess. Um, and then in terms of like, actual users using privacy preserving applications. I mean, we're an anonymous team, right? We totally believe that privacy is like huge um, for DeFi. And this is like one of the main reasons we are um, anonymous that we believe in privacy. That That's awesome to hear. Um, it's been It's been really awesome getting to see all the different types of applications and uh, products being built on secret network, leveraging the different aspects of privacy preservation. Um, 
like whether it be communications protocols, whether it be AMMs, whether it be DeFi protocols like stablecoin protocols, um, social media platforms, like all of these different things can benefit from uh, that that protection of privacy or that ensuring digital self-sovereignty and also maintaining um, that programmable privacy um, where people aren't going to be able to profit off of your data and you have full control over your data until you choose to reveal it. Um, and I think that's one of the things that really does separate secret network and the applications that are building on top of it from other privacy focused groups, because a lot of groups like, I don't know much about Tornado Cash, but I imagine it's similar to Monero and Zcash where it, it functions as a black box um, that's not auditable. Like it, it's truly 100% private. No one can um, extract any sort of data out of it, um, which, I think there is a place for that and there's a need for that somewhere within DeFi. I don't think that is going to be the main path that, that we see privacy take uh, and how we see it manifest within DeFi. I personally see it manifesting itself in a way very, very similar to how Secret Network is doing it, where you have this programmable privacy, but you have it, it's fully auditable and compliant where I can share my viewing key with someone to be able to give them access to my metadata, to my transactional metadata, to be able, whether it be for audits or, uh, you know, reporting obligations, whatever it may be, I have the ability to share this data, but only when I want to, which I think is really important. And that, that's what helps uphold this idea of digital self-sovereignty um, within secret network and now within shade protocol um so that's really cool to hear that um that the team behind kinesis labs is uh sees the value in privacy and uh hopefully we can help contribute to that with uh being able to bring silk on and uh, continue fostering relationships between silk and other different um stablecoin protocols um i think it's i think it's really important for us to have deep stable coin liquidity for basically all the all the different stable coin pairs you know whether we're trying to swap silk for usdc usdt ust frax die whatever it is i think it's important for if someone wants access to it they should be able to have the the, the most easy access that we can provide for them with the lowest swip, slippage and the lowest fees uh and so seeing you guys focus on this um, it is really, it's really big for us as investors of Shade Protocol um, and also big believers in the future of Silk. Um, it's like, I, I can't stop thinking about this idea that as we expand the supply of Silk and get it into all these different places, we're actually truly helping the stability overall um, in a really interesting decentralized way. Like it's not a super centralized uh, stabilization mechanism. Um, and that's something that adds a whole nother layer of uh, like intrigue and complexity to this system in, in my opinion. But, but yeah, I, uh, I, I'm interested to hear some of the upcoming um, things you guys have on your roadmap before we close out, just uh, to give any of our viewers uh, 
a heads up on things that they should potentially be expecting from the Kinesis team and uh, things that we can do uh, as uh, educators with Shade Protocol, things that we can do to potentially um, help Kinesis or help help build any bridges there. Um, I, I'd love to hear any feedback from you. Yeah, of course. I think we're good to launch. Um, we're basically just waiting for Admus to launch, um, like I'm sure a lot of other people are. And then as for future roadmaps, um, we'll definitely in, in, increase the number of pools, um, maybe even a, a Silk meta pool on top of existing pools. Um, and yeah, we're just big fans of Shade and Silk. I think they've, are, you guys have really thought about how stablecoins should work. So I guess there's like three main classes, right? Like centralized stablecoins, there's over collateralized stablecoins and algo stablecoins. And we personally believe that algo stablecoins have a bright future, as well as the fact that Shade has thought about um, things besides just these three classes. Um, stabilizing the peg is just as important, if not more important than how the stablecoin actually works. So these other factors that you guys have thought about, um, maybe stable swaps is part of that, maybe it isn't, but yeah, I mean, we're just big fans. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that Shade has done is one, they've, they haven't been shy about where they've uh, pulled inspiration from, you know, um, I know they have pulled a lot of inspiration from the Terra Luna model and their ecosystem and how they've built things out. Like they were definitely big trendsetters and experimenters when they're building their, uh, their Al algo stablecoin model. Um, and the goal of uh, Shade was to to build upon that and to try and improve the areas that they they thought that could still be tweaked to to provide a either better user experience or to to provide better uh, stability for the underlying stablecoin and and protocol. And so, so yeah, it's it's just awesome to see um, different community leaders, whether it's um, people in different ecosystems, whether it's uh, individual competitors within their own ecosystem, everyone's working to make everyone better, you know, whether it's just providing some really stiff competition and providing really, really solid UI UX um, and forcing another product to be better or just do better. I think a lot of the e even the competition within uh, the communities that we're in, I think it's all it all is going to end up bettering us um, in, in the end. So I I want to thank you, Dr. Kinesis, for uh, coming to talk to us today about uh, Kinesis Labs and uh, what to expect from there. I'm I'm personally super excited to see you guys launch. I'm excited to see Evmos launch. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, hopefully a potential partnership uh, and some liquidity for Silk on Kinesis in the future. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great getting to talk to you and hearing about this project, man. Yeah, all right. Um, we will post links uh, in the description below for uh, some of Kinesis Labs documentation as well as their Twitter page. Make sure to go check them out, follow them. Um, stay up to date on all their developments there. I know we will be um, highly, highly looking forward to seeing Silk there uh, in the coming months. Um, thank you guys again, as always, make sure to follow House of Shade Twitter, make sure to follow our YouTube page, um, Spotify if you're listening just on audio. Um, and if you're wanting to get active with Shade Protocol, I highly suggest um, 
being active on Twitter or getting involved in the Discord. If you're looking for any developments for any of the different aspects uh, of the protocol, whether it be various D apps, some of the different behind the scenes research going on with governance, peg research, any of that, definitely hit up Shade Protocol Discord um, to, to keep up to date with what's being developed. Um, thank you guys for watching and see you next time.